Dzień dobry, fała Bogu. That's what we would say in the Polish church. Huh? Good morning, praise the Lord. And we, uh, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we bring greetings to our Polish church in Warsaw from uh, Pastor Sławek. He told me to greet the churches as we visit, as we are visiting now churches in BC. So may the Lord bless you and uh, guide you. And it's our pleasure to visit you. We were here years ago. We used to come, my wife and I, uh, my wife Hannah, who is uh, Polish, was born in Warsaw. And um, I'm from Quebec, as you can hear the accent. I have never lost the French accent from Montreal. So we met at the uh, Northwest Baptist Seminary in 1997. And uh, this is where we studied God's Word for four, four, more than four years, actually. And we met uh, washing dishes together, shelving books in the library together, and working for conferencing during the summer. That's how we met, over summer jobs, because we had to pay those fees somehow. And, um, and God provided in many ways, uh, miraculous ways, I would say. And, uh, but we met, and I'm so happy. Uh, I praise God, and I thank God for the fact that we could meet. And we got married in 1999 in Kelowna, right here in this, in this city. Uh, pastor and uh, teacher, professor, um, um, oh, Vermin Dilton, <laughs> um, who was the mission teacher at uh, Northwest Baptist Seminary, married us. And uh, so we spent lots of time in Kelowna, and that's why we visited this church uh, many times in the past, since from 1997 and on. We came often because we do have family in Kelowna through my wife's uh, family. Um, and then uh, we visited this church because it used to have a Polish, Russian, Ukrainian service in the afternoon. So we came often here to worship the Lord in, in, uh, in Polish, Russian, Ukrainian. And it was a way for me to be introduced to Polish language, which I really got to learn. And I was already 37 years old when I started to learn Polish. So it was quite an exercise for me. Anyway, so this is our story. This is how we got connected with uh, here, uh, what used to be called Gushigan Baptist Church, but now Providence Baptist Church. And I think um, for most of you, we are new faces, right? I think we, ha we have not been here back for eight years. We left in 2005. Uh, we were sent by Northwest Langley Baptist Church. This is our home church in Langley, just by uh, Highway Number 1. And then we... Um, yeah, sent by the, uh, our mission, Fellowship Mission, Fellowship International, and we left in July 2005 for Poland. Now, I'm just going to tell you a bit later more about Poland, what we've been doing the last uh, 12 years, what has, um, where, where the Lord has guided us to minister, to preach the gospel, to bring the gospel to a country that does not know Christ in spite of its religion. So that's how, but I will just to talk to you today about things that motivated us in the last 12 years to do what uh, the Lord um, told us to do, in a sense, guided us to do, even if we had different plans at the beginning. In any case, um, we, um, uh, when we visited our church recently, uh, I was um, sitting in a foyer and praying about what I was going to say and and for the church at Northwest Langley Baptist. And then I saw a sign on the entrance, just by the entrance of the chapel, and a sign I had never seen before. And I thought, this is exactly what I'm gonna talk about in the, in the next few weeks. 
in the next, uh, because we're, gonna spe we're spending now six weeks in BC to visit churches and to uh, give a report about our work in Poland. And it was written just above the chapel um, entrance, delighting the heart of God by living the great commission, by, I'm sorry, by living out the great commandment and obeying the great commission. And I thought, this is it. This is a summary of what we did in the last 12 years, or 14 years, actually, sorry. We tried to love God with all our hearts, to obey, to live out the great commandment that Jesus uh, told us to obey. And we tried to obey the great commission, which Jesus, has, again, gave us as a mandate to obey, to fulfill until he comes back. And so this is uh, kind of the, uh, in a nutshell, what Jesus says has his priorities. This is Jesus' priorities. I don't know if it matters to you if Jesus said that. Uh, it does for sure, right? If Jesus said that, it matters to us because Jesus is our Savior, He's the Son of God. Uh, he never lied. He told us the truth to be saved and to know how to live for God, how to love God, and how to obey Him until He comes back. So when Jesus speaks, uh, we, we listen, right? We listen to what He says. When we read the Word of God, we listen to what, he says, what it says. And that's why I would like just to talk to you uh, today about these two priorities that Jesus left us as kind of um, the essence of what we should do as a church and as believers in, in Christ Jesus. Now, in the last 14 years, this is what uh, motivated us as well to um, leave for the field of Poland. Poland was not a field officially with our mission, uh, International, uh, International Fellowship International Mission, um, I guess um, 15, 16 years ago. And it's because of a visit to our family and churches in 2001 that we, uh, we saw that, wow, Poland is a mission field. And I will show you some stats a bit later on. And we thought our mission, our fellowship of churches should consider Poland as a mission field. And they did. So when we left in 2005, we were officially sent as to a new field that Fellowship International had just received uh, officially for our churches. And then we were passionate about Christ and about reaching out to people through camp ministry, uh, church planting work, evangelism on the streets, and we and doing leadership, um, uh, discipleship work with the youth, and now more recently, I'm more involved in leadership training in our church in Warsaw. That was kind of a, uh, what I will show you in pictures a bit later on. And then, um, I found out that uh, what Jesus said uh, in, uh, in the Great uh, Commandment, in the Great Commission, uh, sorry, in the Great Commission uh, should be what we do today. We should do the same thing today. And sometimes we lose track of that. In any case, let's look at the, the first uh, text we have. Delighting the heart of God by living out the, uh, the Great Commandment. Jesus said, um, in, um, we can turn to Ma uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Now, I have a slide that is from uh, verse 28. Um, 
Is it verse 28? 29. I will read from verse 28 and I will just keep reading until verse uh, 34 if you'd like to follow with me or um, the most of it is on the screen. <coughs> then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments Commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like, like it, is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is no, there's one God, and there's no other but He, and to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burning, the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, "You are not far from the kingdom of God." And after that, no one dared to question him. So Jesus said as a response, uh, it's incredible that this, uh, this is a very well-known passage that even non-Christians sometimes uh, remember, to love God with all your heart, which is a quotation from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. But it's interesting that it's, uh, it's in response to an attack, like a, a group of uh, People that are, want, they want to trap Jesus, they want to catch him in some kind of a mistake in his theology or in his, uh, the, what he teaches or what he practices. They want to catch him. And this starts from chapter, the end of chapter 11, when religious leaders are challenging Jesus' authority, um, asking him, where, where do you have this authority from? And then uh, Jesus uh, responds to another attack about the resurrection. The Sadducees question him about his teaching uh, regarding resurrection. And then another group of people, the Herodians, are coming up and they have a question about the taxes. Should we pay taxes or not? And they keep, they keep attacking Jesus as he is at the end of his ministry. As he is uh, just living out his last few uh, days in Jerusalem. And this is another attack. A scribe came to him with a question. A, the scribe uh, knew certainly that the, the law uh, had, uh, according to the Pharisees, had the Old Testament, but they had added so many other laws, 613 if I remember correctly, many laws that they had added, added to the to Scripture in a sense, thinking that, that this was right. And the scribe was asking a question that could create some, some, um, uh, some difficulties among those groups. But in any case, he's asking, which one, which one is the first commandment? I just, and I just love this, that in this world where we try to do things, we try to perform, we try to um, uh, get things done, that Jesus says, uh, the first commandment is actually what is written in the book of Deuteronomy. It's to love God with all your heart. Love the Lord God with all your heart. And I just love this, that it's such a kind word. Jesus is asking him to love him, to love his father, to have uh, 
your heart connected with him. We're made for relationships. And God was a relational God in the Trinity. And when he created us, he created us, he created us for relationships with people, but especially with a relationship for him. And that's why it's so key that in our Christian life, we understand that it's all about how you want to, to, love, to love God. And how should we do that? And Jesus says, uh, he describes as the, the book of Deuteronomy um, does, he says, uh, he gives uh, four ways we should uh, think about when we want to love God. And he says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart. So this is uh, um, quite something when uh, a few chapters before, if you go back to Mar Mark chapter um, Chapter 7, when Jesus said, um, there was a, again another uh, question about um, um, should we eat food with uh, dirty hands or washed hands? Another, uh, another question from the Pharisees that came to Jesus. And um, Jesus said, um, do you not perceive in verse 18, that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, but because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that is what defiles a man. From within, out of your heart, the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. So it's hard to see, okay, how can we love God with all our hearts if our heart is so sinful, right? Here's a conflict. To love God with all your heart when you cannot actually, you cannot do this by naturally. And this is where we need God's miracle in us. This is where we need conversion new birth, to be born again, to receive the Spirit of God, to be a different person in Christ, to have a different nature, a different heart that will be able, enabled to actually love Him, love your Creator. We're made at, at God's image and we have in us the capacity to make decisions, to think, to uh, feel, and as a person made at the image of God, we have to practice willfully, like purposely, from our hearts, um, what we want to choose in life. So that's why in Christ, with the forgiveness of sins, with the new birth that only Christ gives, we are enabled by God to actually be able to love Him. We can love Him with all our hearts. Meaning that with all your emotions, with your capacity to decide the choices you make in life, what you choose to do and not to do, reflect if you love God or not. So there are choices you need to make to actually love God. And there are things you need to avoid to actually show that you love God. And this is the battle that we have every day, right? In a sense, uh, the more we read Scripture, the more you know uh, God, the more you know yourself, and the more you know this world, you see that the greatest battle is probably against yourself, against our own hearts, to actually make these decisions to love God, 
to avoid sin, to sometimes close your mouth because those words are sinful, or to think about something else because those thoughts are sinful, or to choose to do something because it's right, not because you feel that it's, it's that you feel that uh, differently, right? We make decisions sometimes against ourselves to say, I want to love God. It's a decision that I'm making right now. And the first decision to be able to do that is to surrender to Christ your life and to ask Christ Jesus to forgive your sins, to acknowledge that you are a sinful person, that you need his salvation that he has done on the cross. The blood that he shed on the cross is sufficient to forgive your sins. But you need to believe. You need to surrender to this. This is the gospel. God did something for you that you couldn't do yourself. And this is the death of his son as a sacrifice for your sins, for my sins. And if we believe that, we receive that by faith. This is the grace of God that we receive by believing it. The Bible says that we have forgiveness of sins and we have eternal life. And we receive a different heart. Regeneration, born again, all those terms are connected, right? We receive, we are a different person in Christ that now can love God back. Isn't that something? So that's why we love, uh, in a sense, we love God because He loved Him first. Huh? He showed that love first. And when we have a diff, uh, through conversion and belonging to God, we have the capacity to love Him back. In any case, this is the, the first way you could show God that you love Him your decisions, your choices, what you, um, what you uh, put in your life or what you reject in your life to do or not to do. As we just sang, like the, there's so much rebellion in man's heart. And the more we minister, the more you meet people and you evangelize and you travel in the world. Uh, it's, uh, it's, um, I, I heard a pastor, someone, he said, uh, it's not so fun anymore, ministry, because I see, I see the consequences of sin everywhere, in myself or in the church or in the world, and it's not fun anymore. And I can understand that. The battle for sin is huge. But in Christ, we have victory. In Christ, it can be different. We have the power to make different choices and choose a different life by God's grace. This is, this is uh, to love God with all your heart, uh, Jesus said. It's really holistic what he talks about here. And then with all your soul. And this is the inward capacity you have to connect with God. You have a soul. You, have a, you are an eternal being. You're not a, an animal. And you're a creature that God, into, into which God breathed life. And this soul wants to connect with God wants to speak to God, wants to have a relationship with this eternal, invisible, um, uh, spiritual being that, who, that God is, the one who created you. And in your soul, you desire this. You desire to, how can you show that? I am, for me, the first thing I did when I came to Christ um, in, 19, in 1985, May 1985, the first thing I thought, I had a new desire to read scripture. It, it was so clear to me that to love God from now on was actually to read the Bible and to read it and to read it more 
and to read. To, I, I just had such a hunger for the Word of God. I remember um, my brother came to Christ just before me through a student ministry in Montreal, through uh, the, what is called the colleges uh, in Montreal. And uh, he came home one day with a Bible. And uh, I don't know if you know Quebec uh, in the 80s and 90s, it was um, quite uh, difficult to come to Christ, even, even before, even more so. And uh, so my brother, when he came back home with the Bible, and he put it on a kitchen counter, oh my, war started in a home. My father, who passed away actually just three years ago, he was a very strong Catholic person, and he just exploded. He just couldn't stand that my brother was reading the Bible. And yet, he had come to Christ and he had a hunger for the Word, and he wanted to show us that something happened in his life, but he didn't have the courage to say it, so he just put the Bible on the kitchen counter, and it meant a lot to me, to my father, to the whole family, and he became the target of all the criticism of uh, many people in our family. He was so persecuted, and I was one of them telling him that, how come you're in a cult now? What is happening to you? You know, and my father was telling him, um, I, I thank God for my father. He was a wonderful man, a generous man. He raised us in a beautiful family, but he never came to Christ. And he opposed my, my brother and myself later on to the end of his life. Never read scripture. He never understood that to love God, it's actually to love what God said and to obey it. So, um, so my father was, uh, he cried <laughs> quite a bit in 1980, um, he was converted in 1982, uh, three years before I did, and he received a lot of persecution, a lot of criticism, and, um, but the way he behaved with my father never responded back. He just kept going to the church. Sometimes he brought some friends, Christian friends at home. And I thought, what a weird group of people. <laughs> I thought, I thought, they behave so differently. <laughs> it, was a, it was from Mars. It, it was so different in sinful Quebec. Uh, Quebec is so sinful. It's such a lost nation. And it's unbelievable that I came to Christ in such a sinful nation. Anyway. But um, so I, I said, wow, th these guys, they, they know, they had interesting things to talk about. Anyway, so one day he invited me to church to watch a, a movie. And um, I did. I went to church, and for the first time, after years of uh, the best Catholic schools in Montreal, the years of going to the Catholic Church in Quebec, I, for the first time I heard the Gospel of Christ in that evangelistic meeting in Montreal in 1985, May 8, 1985. And I understood that it, Christ did it for me. He died for my sins. I don't have to win, gain my salvation, to please God somehow, to win my salvation. It's a work of grace given to me if I want to believe it and receive it. That's all. And I understood that. I understood that from Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 32, that when Jesus says, um, um, if you, um, oh, I can't remember from memory now, just because uh, with Polish language, I'm losing my French and English. <laughs> but I'm just gonna quote you this verse that just uh, expresses to you what made me choose Christ in my life. When Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confess, confesses me before man, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And I thought, wow, in the same, in two verses, I see the greatest promise. Jesus can 
actually acknowledge me before the Father one day or the greatest condemnation. He can actually deny me before the Father in heaven. And then, what is my choice? I was put into a choice about Christ. It wasn't a decision of religion, the decision of what should I do and not do. It's about Jesus. Do I want to see that Jesus is the only way, the only one who paid for my sins, and the only one to whom I should live, I should, to whom I should give my life and for whom I should live? And then the next verse, it says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What a strange saying. I said, why? Jesus came to bring peace in salvation, right? But he says, why? For have come, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And it's exactly what I went through, what my brother went through, and what I went through in my own family. Because of the gospel, that is, brings peace, actually, to man, because a man is reconciled with God through Christ and through Him alone. But because of the gospel, some people will not like it. And often, your own family will be your own enemy. Not because you are a weirdo, not because you start to beat, I hope you don't beat them up with the Bible, but just because you have received Christ as Savior and you believe that He is the only way, the only Savior, the only one we should love and live for, because of that, you will be persecuted. And this is really Poland today, right in a Catholic Poland. It's a huge thing for people to come to Christ because exactly because of that. People, instead of seeing Christ as the only Savior, the only way, the only one who gave um, His life to redeem you from sin and to give you eternal life, people will say, no, 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 there's something else. There's Mary, the Pope, the priest, the Catholic Church, the Mother Church of the Catholic Church, the Queen of Heaven, Mary, and she's called this Queen Paul, and the Queen of Heaven, she has so much power. People will say, no. They will refuse that because of what they believe, and they will refuse that because of the consequences in their families. They will be completely rejected. So that's a price to pay. It's, uh, it's a price to pay like in Uganda, in, um, in Nigeria today, in North Korea, in Nepal. Huge price to pay to believe that Christ is the only way, that Christ is the only Savior. He's the only one who gave His life to pay for the penalty you deserve. Nobody else. Wow. Uh, because it's so exclusive. It's completely exclusive. There's only one Savior, one truth, one way to God, and it's through Christ and Him alone. So that's the thing I, I went through myself. So that's why today, as a, as a Catholic believer in my past, I came out of the Catholic Church, I gave my life to Christ, and because of that, I understand the Catholic people in Poland understand the battle they have. They know so much, but at the same time, they're not in the gospel yet because Christ is not the only way. There are other ways, other saints, and Mary is basically the one who leads Poland and the Polish church. I remember one day, I'm a bit out of my message now, but I thought I should let you, that, let you know that. One day I was uh, doing some street evangelism in a town called Wukuf. Wukuf is very close to... Um, 
Ukraine and we're uh, we're having some Canadians come and they could play music Polish people they love to come and listen to music and so people sit down listen and then we give them tracks we have Gospel of John and then what we did is uh, we uh, opened up the the Bible to uh, for, uh, First Timothy um, chapter 2 verse 5 a verse that says that um, there's one God and only one mediator between God and man Jesus Christ given as a ransom for for us all a simple verse right but a key verse and I said to this lady I said um, we just teach the Bible we teach who Christ is and let's look at this verse he said from the Apostle Paul he said there's one God do you agree with me yes only one God who created us and this world we agreed on that and there's there only one mediator between man and God there's only one person between you me and God and keep reading the Lord Jesus Christ no 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 but but what about Mary no, no, no. Let's look what Apostle Paul said. There's only one God, yes, one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, given as a ransom for us all, a ransom, a, a payment for your sins. He's the only one who paid for your sins. That's why he's the only mediator, the only person that you can go through to access God, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be uh, reconciled with the God who created you. No other way. But after half an hour, she couldn't understand that. I thought, my, my, my. It's so deep inside in the Catholic Church. And I, um, I, I guess I don't want to criticize the Catholic Church, but I'm just saying that, that there's no gospel there. Mary is not a savior. Mary is not a redeemer. Mary is not, has never paid for any of your sins. Ever. Ever and ever. So that's why this is heresy. It's not true. We have so many scriptures that are actually telling that it's not true. So if you believe otherwise, where well, you're not in the gospel, you are not saved. I said to this lady, you need to forget, you need to see Christ alone as your savior. And she couldn't take it. No, Mary has to be a mediator. And the Pope, John Paul II, and the famous Polish Pope, uh, who died uh, quite a few years ago in 2004, I think, uh, or four or five, uh, has to be a mediator. Amazing, huh? This is the battle of idolatry that is in the Catholic Church. The battle of false doctrine. And I will mention that a bit later on. What does it mean? Anyway, just a, <laughs> a bit of side note here. From my personal experience, I'm telling you, I grew up in that church and I came out of it because of the gospel of Christ. And I could not stay in that church because the gospel is not preach in that church that's that's how it is it's it's as clear as water for me so this is a way to love God because you love God with all your heart with all your soul you want this connection with God through God's Word and the way you start your day in shows how you love God with all your soul I remember I remember one uh, many years ago I was in the church uh, and there was this Slavic Gospel Association director and he was telling us a very honest story. He said, you know, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is my email. I need to answer my email. And uh, because I have so many cases, so many missionaries are traveling in the world, and I need to uh, um, arrange their visa. But he said, I said, no, 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 no. This is not a good way to actually love God with all my soul. And he said, I should open scripture, and I should 
Ask God to lead me to understand his word and to have a relationship with him, to spend time in prayer. And he said, this is, it was a battle for him. And that was 10 years ago. Can you imagine today uh, with all those computers and those phones, right? It, it is a battle, right? It is a battle for me. I read much less scripture since I have that phone. I do read on, on the phone once in a while. But this phone, these, this technology is taking us away from reading scripture. And if it's true for me, I'm sure it's true for some of you. And then our soul is not fed. We are fed because the man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your soul needs actually the word of God because God created it. He created this in you. And if you have not read, a, read the Bible for the last week of the last month, I mean, that's pretty tragic. Then you probably look like a child in Africa that has not fed and you see all the bones, right? You see those pictures. This is who you are spiritually. If you don't feed your soul with the Word of God on a regular basis, it's so key for your own soul. And I'm not even talking about for, you, for the sake of the truth, to know the truth and to defend it, to preach it. That's even, a, even another case. But in any case, uh, our soul needs it. And you need to make those choices of reading scripture, prayer, be there, where and any place where your soul can be fed. Another battle that I see in Quebec, and I probably see in, as well in Canada overall, is yes. Sunday. <clears throat> what do you do on Sunday, right? Is it a choice, uh, a clear choice for you to go to church because your soul needs it? You need to hear the word of God. You need to hear about who God is. And you need to sing to God, express your soul to God for what he did for you and for what he did through the gospel and how beautiful he is and how powerful he can uh, guide your life and your, his church and so on. Or to go to Walmart or Costco or even a family meeting. For me, I... As a family, it's a clear decision on Sunday. We are in the church. We need it, actually. And the church needs us. The church needs you here, and you need the church. It's a mutual relationship. You, if you're not at church, if you're not at church on Sunday, you rob God's people from the blessing you can bring them. It's so clear to me. So clear. Mark Dever visited us uh, just a few months ago in Poland. What a blessing it was. And he preached on the nine marks of the healthy church, like the, his key book and other things. And he was so clear on that. He said the church is so key for us to grow in Christ for our souls. And if you choose to not go to church, I wonder if you're a believer. I wonder. Because a believer in his souls wants, needs the church of Christ. He needs other believers. He needs to hear the word of God on Sunday. He needs to express his worship to God. He needs to serve others, to do coffee after, to feed people if there's a meal, or to talk with some people that are in need of help, right? There's a, there's a, it's a ministry to each other that our soul needs and we need it from each other. To love God with all your mind, Jesus said. And to, I love this one. I love this one because the mind, what you think about is so key. I think as uh, John MacArthur said um, that the, uh, uh, the whole battle of evangelism is a question of mind. We fight against ideologies, against false 
things that people believe and hold on to traditions that are false and either keep them away from the gospel or keep them away from a Christian life that really pleases God. And it's a huge battle. And if I can read a, a verse with you, it's 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. I love this. Uh, I love this text from uh, from the apostle uh, Paul. But if uh, even our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And then uh, chapter four, verse five, Second Corinthians, for we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bond servant for for Jesus sake so it's about here whose mind like when um, people are lost in their minds they cannot believe the gospel they, they are they don't have the light of the gospel in their mind and then the battle that we have in chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 again for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that something? Uh, we, we, um, our weapons are to pull it for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. We have fortresses to destroy, in, in a sense, in people's minds that are against the knowledge of God. Arguments, ideology, uh, philosophy, different religions, they all rise up against the knowledge of the true God. And we have to know how to deal with that, to sometimes is destroyed the right word I'm not sure but and in any case uh, we have to show that this is false it's not a right way to know God Mary has no connection for us to know God the Pope has nothing to say to us to know God scripture the gospel Jesus himself is the way the truth and the life and then to bring every thought and the mind every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ so evangelism is about attacking or dealing with all those false arguments and and traditions so that that person can understand that it needs to obey to Christ to what he said to the Word of God so this is the, the whole battle that we have in people's minds. Even for us, um, when Paul was uh, concluding his letter to the Philippians, he said um, in Philippians chapter, eight, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about these things. And it's a choice of the mind here to choose to think about things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report. It's a choice of the mind that we do every day. But in evangelism, it's a choice of mind to bring people to obey Christ. And for us, it's a choice of mind to please God with 
what we think inside, right? So that is a battle, right? It's a quite a battle. But it's a way to love God. Those choices that you make, you say actually to God, I love you because I choose to not say that, to not think about this. To actually, I remember years ago um, when our kids were a bit younger, my wife and I, and I did that even years before, we love to read missionary books, biographies of missionaries. This is a great way to change your mind, to have the mission-minded focus in your life, to see the great things God has done through many godly women and men that were like us. They were just ordinary people like us, but they just believed in a great God. And they believed that there was a need to respond to a need somewhere in a country, a need for the gospel, and they gave their lives for it. And it's, this is so inspiring. You can change your mind this way by reading good books. When we did church planting in Poland, in every church plant, three churches that we helped to plant and to grow, one of the first thing I did was to have a little library and I bought good books. And I said, read those books. There are places, actually, there's no, not much internet, actually, so good books were actually a good thing to have. Today, um, people read less and less books today because of uh, uh, the electronic ways uh, to do this. But anyway, put good books, the whole missionary collection in Polish, and uh, good books about theology, good books about um, Christ and things that are important, prayer and so on, so that people can read and change their mind, have a mind for Christ in a practical way. Wonderful. This is a way to love God with what you read is what you get. If you read good stuff, you read scripture, you read good books, you're going to be fed and your mind will be transformed and you're going to be able to say like Paul, we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Paul could say that. We have the mind of Christ. I read that verse recently. I thought, my, 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 this is amazing. And it's because he was a person filled with scripture filled with a transformed mind, loving Christ, loving his God, loving Christ's church, and serving to the every, every bit of capacity he had, he served Christ's church. This is a beautiful thing to say, and I, I hope we can all say that. We have the mind of Christ because of the way you love God with all your mind. And then the last thing, to love God with all your, uh, all your strength. And this is um, a bit of battle against your, I guess, um, your, your body, right? <laughs> you had to choose today to come to church. Sometimes um, in the last year, you know, I'm 56, I'm getting older. I love to run with kids at camps, uh, soccer camps. Even there was a, a nice guy from Ontario, he came last year um, and he said, uh, you know, when I saw this old man ru running on the field with uh, kids and playing with them and trying to play soccer, and uh, he said, I know I, I couldn't do otherwise. I, it just pushed me to do the same, a young guy, 20-some-year-old. And the old man was me. <laughs> he was talking about me. <laughs> so anyway, with all your strength, sometimes when you see something is important, you just, do, you just push yourself. And you, it's not a, a, a near capacity, a decision thing it's not only a soul thing it's not only a mind thing but sometimes it's a strain thing <laughs> can i do this physically and sometimes you push yourself to actually do it you in our church for example in warsaw we want to see a youth ministry last year there was no youth group in the church and my wife and i we thought we need to do something our kids are in this age as well <clears throat> and we saw other youth in the church Okay, how do we do this? <laughs> you know, we're not uh, young people, to, but we're going to do anything 
for this youth group to start. So we say, come on home. We'll do anything. We'll prepare food for you. I can go to the end of Warsaw to pick you up my car. I don't care. I will do it because I want to see this youth group being in a, coming in the church, being formed in the church. And this is loving God with all your strength. And we did that. We invited them. Others invited the, uh, the youth group to their home. And finally, over a year, you see a connection. You see a group forming, friendship. And we're going to keep working at it. Let's go canoeing together. Let's meet. The pastor come once a month and he speaks to them with a longer message. And we have Bible studies. And we want to bring this group as friends and as people, young people who do want to love God and serve Him in the church. And, but it takes so, sometimes we're just, <laughs> we're just uh, <laughs> exhausted. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, but we hope that this example can motivate other people to say, Oh, poor, poor Pierre, <laughs> this guy is going to die of a heart attack. So let's help him. <laughs> let's do something. And I hope younger people will pick up the ball and do, do this. We see so many young, potentially gifted people that are just sitting there and they don't know. They don't see it. They have no eyes open. And I pray that God will open their eyes. And uh, we have actually a discipleship program to help them to do this. And I hope one day that they will get this as a possible ministry they could do in the church. In any case, we uh, love God because this is the way we can please Him. First uh, Corinthians chapter, five, chapter 9, verse, um, I think it's verse 23. Paul says, what we have as a goal is to please Him, to please God. This is what really is the motivation of anything we do. And then, so this is the first thing. No, I, I, I don't want to be too long today. But um, um, to live out, live out the great, command, uh, the great commandment. To love God and with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is very holistic, right? It's your whole person has to be involved in it. So this is what Jesus said. His first priority, do this. Do this, please. It's above all the commandments, all the teaching. The Bible has so much teaching, right? But this is so key in what we should do as believers and what we should ask unbelievers to actually aim at by preaching the gospel to them. And the first, second thing would be, if you go on the next slide, would be the, the, the Great Commission. Now, if you love God with all your heart, and then, as Jesus said, to love God involves a second commandment that is connected to it. You're going to love your neighbor. To love God will lead you to love people. And you can express that in so many ways. In so many ways. I remember when I was going to Northwest Baptist Seminary, there was a couple from Northwest Langley Baptist Church coming to us at the campus to pick us up on Sunday morning because we were students. We, we ate... Uh, peanut butter sandwiches and, and Chinese uh, soups every, almost every day. We didn't have much money, no car, no bike. So they were coming to pick us up and bring us to the church so we could worship with them. And then it became our church. But they showed love to us. You see, they, were, they sacrificed something somewhere. Uh, our church is, uh, has many senior uh, people. So we have, there's a lot of visiting to be done in hospitals, in homes. Bible studies to bring into their homes the Word of God and stay connected with the older people. Another way to love these people who worked a lot before us to establish the church, right? We don't want to... to uh, so many other ways. Uh, my wife is, loves uh, older people. She helps with the ministry with 
elderly people, especially uh, the sisters in the church. So she likes to help them with organizing their meeting, to sing songs, to pray, to listen to their testimony, to help them out in what they need. Another great need, a way to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength by loving your neighbor. How do you love your neighbor in practice as well for them to know the gospel? And this is a second thing. I think the great com commandment leads to the great commission. You want to give the gospel to others. You want to know, make sure that others can know Christ as well because you know how, how uh, it's such a blessing, it's such a um, riches. It's actually a necessity to know Christ while you're still alive. And uh, the, um, Jesus said in Matthew 28, uh, Matthew 28, um, I'm just going to read a scripture. I, I think it's on the, oh, it's on the screen. There you go. And when Jesus said, just before he left um, on the mouth of, um, uh, in, it was in Galilee, he said to his disciples, um, all authority has been given on, to me on, in earth, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is um, um, a second priority that Jesus gave to us, the great what we call the Great Commission or the Great Mandate. Thing, something that we need to be busy with until Christ returns. It's actually, um, if you can show, show the next slide. <coughs> it's actually, Jesus says in this text, uh, he has uh, five things. It says um, that first he has authority. What a comforting thing that to say that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus is the Lord of all. So before he asks us something, to know who Jesus is is actually very comforting. It's actually a necessity. You, you cannot obey God really without knowing who he is. And when you want to obey him, it's incredible to know his faithfulness, his power, his leading, his providence. I like the, the, actually the name of your church, Providence Baptist Church. The God's providence is miraculous in our lives every day. We, see, we don't see so many things that God actually do for us. But Jesus has authority and power. He can. Whatever He asks from us, He can do it. This is incredible. What a wonderful Lord we have. And then we have uh, uh, the, main, the main command in this text. If you look in the original, it's not actually going. Sometimes you see the emphasis on going. Let's go to other nations. It's actually make disciples if you look in the original Jesus says this is what I would like you to do until I come back it's actually to make disciples to do everything so that you can be followers of Jesus Christ you can be little Christ you can be someone who obeys the master in his teaching in his commands in his lifestyle this is what it is to be a disciple, a follower of a master to whom we have all respect and because of his teaching. In any case, uh, we have to make disciples. So how? Uh, with whom? All the nations. So it was not about just Jewish nation, which was a shock for the Jewish people if you read the book of Acts, right? It was about all the nations. All the nations are in need of knowing Christ and becoming followers of him including Canada, 
including Poland, including Uganda, including Nigeria, including and the most difficult Muslim or other religion, other countries in the world. We, uh, this is what Jesus would like to see. And then uh, how? And then when you look at the text, again, in the original, you see three past participles. I love grammar, so <laughs> I love to learn languages myself. So three past participles that are telling you how to do this. Make disciples, how? By going, or some people say, as you go, by baptizing, in a sense that preaching the gospel so people can make a public decision for Christ. Uh, often in, a, in the book of Acts, I see that uh, conversion was with baptism, right? Someone who believed in Christ, it was no question he got <coughs> baptized, right? He wanted to tell the people and be a witness before God that he had given his life to Christ. And then um, by teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, not only what Christ said, and the, the text is so important here, teaching them to observe or to obey all things that I have commanded. I mean, look at every word here. Teaching them, uh, those disciples, to obey all things that I have commanded. To today, often we read that verse to just to teach what Jesus said. I mean, that's a part of it. But I like this, this thing, to obey. Discipleship involves obeying. When we teach, we should tell ourselves and us that this is to be obeyed. This is not just an option. This is not a good thing that God thought about. We have to obey what God is telling us in the gospel. And this is a sign of you willing to be a disciple of Christ. This is a sign that you are a believer, that you love God, and you want to be an example for, to please Him by being a disciple of His own Son, God's Son. And then the last thing is a promise of His presence. He said, if you do this, if you do disciple-making, if you do this by going, baptizing, and teaching, Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of the age. William Carey, he was a very famous, like he's, he's called the father of modern missions. He went in 1792 to India with very difficult conditions, with a newborn baby, with a wife that uh, actually was not ready to go to that mission field. Incredible opposition, difficulties, and, but he said, uh, he said uh, this promise is for you, for Christ to be with you, if you actually do make disciples. That's what he said when he preached in England in his time, preaching about going to other nations to bring the gospel. He said, Christ will be with you, but the promise is connected with the commandment. Work on discipling, disciple-making, and Christ will be with you with all his power and presence until the end of the age. And then I'm just going to show you now, just to conclude, I know that I'm over time, but just to show you... Um, um, the last verse in Acts chapter 1, Christ, uh, before he left for heaven, he repeated the same idea. He said, uh, you know, I'm, it, it's, um, the disciples were wondering about when Jesus was going to come back to Jerusalem. And he said, you know, don't worry about this. The Father knows when. But what I would like you to do until I come back is actually to remember that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will, this is what you need to be until I come back.
Isn't that clear? This is Jesus' second priority. To love here the Great Commission, to love the, the necessity for us to be His witnesses through in all the nations of the earth. Starting with your own place, in a sense, if you apply the verse, then to your own Jerusalem, your own culture, your own local place where you, you're, you are as a believer, Judea and the Okanagan region, or BC, like similar, similar culture, similar religion. Samaria to other cultures, different religion, different beliefs, and then to the ends of the earth, which is further away. But it's all mission everywhere. You have a mission here, as we have a mission in Poland. We're just in a different location, but we have the same mission. You have people to reach out to here in Kolona, as we do have people to reach out to in Poland. And then I will just show you a few pictures of, uh, just very quickly, what we do, uh, we've been doing in Poland. Poland has very few evangelical churches. It's 0.2 of 1% of evangelical churches. This is four times less than Quebec. Quebec is the mission field of North America with the uh, native people. And Poland has four times less believers by percentage. It's an unbelievable, unreached country. So few churches and all the white dots on the map of Poland represents a place where there's no church. So in general, all the, the red dot or kind of pink dots are where churches are or Bible study groups and so on. But Poland is really unreached. So many places where there's no gospel, no churches, no Bible study, no camps, nothing. There's so much work actually to do. And then if you turn the next one, you will see uh, different ways we love God, we love our neighbors, and we um, obey to the Great Commission. So we love neighbors. When there's a, a holiday or a, a birthday, and we love, we go to people and we are Christ witnesses to them. So this is our neighbor who needs the gospel. This is another place where my wife is in music school, uh, um, through the music school, because our kids are going to music school in Warsaw, and we are in touch with many people, parents, and we try to be a witness of Christ for them. So one of the, actually the girl that is with Rochelle, will come to our English camp this summer in Łódź, and it's a way to witness to her about the gospel, to show her the love of Christ. So in, in, very interesting, her name is uh, Marcelina. And then another, another one, we, um, we, uh, my wife Hannah helps with um, uh, elderly people, especially more women than men actually, and she helps with uh, bringing the word of God and encouragement to the elderly. A way to love your neighbor in the church, uh, even in the church obviously. Uh, we did a lot of evangelism on the street. Poland has so much freedom. You can go on the co street corner and set up a little uh, music thing and, and table and you can preach the gospel. We still have this freedom. You, you don't have this in Canada anymore, right? You cannot do that. But it's unbelievable that we can still do that in uh, Lubartów, uh, Stalowa Wola, different uh, li little uh, towns where there are no churches. Many Canadians came to help us. We went to uh, orphanages where where uh, there was a need to bring the um, kids' ministry to kids of this orphanage. Uh, we've, um, by the grace of God, we've helped a camp. There's a Christian camp very close to the Ukraine, was about to close down. And camp is very important in Poland. Every kid needs to go to a camp during the summer. So we helped the camp to be built back again so it can still exist and still serve churches and be a place of evangelism and baptism. So we did that over five years. There was so much work to build back the chapel and new cabins, and, but it was worth it for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of um, 
loving uh, people in, in this area. Many, many teams came, five teams came from BC, and one team from uh, our Bible school, Heritage in Ontario, they came to help us with building back this, uh, this camp. Uh, we had, um, and to this day we have uh, baptism on the next slide, we're going to see, uh, oh, we had our first youth conference in that camp, and uh, someone from uh, our mission in Guelph came to preach, Chris Middleton. He's now a missionary in Quebec, doing church planting in Quebec. And then uh, family camps with uh, the Bible. Baptism, we still baptize in Poland in lakes and rivers. So this is quite, uh, quite something. It's a huge celebration, a big meal after someone decided to follow Christ and tell others publicly. This is a huge decision. It's kind of a, the line in the sand in Poland. If you get baptized, you're actually showing that you're a believer because you are ready for the consequences of it. But until you get baptized, you know, sometimes we're not sure if that person is a believer because she's not ready for that commitment. It's actually uh, very important in Polish culture. And then we had the soccer camps, which we called Maui Mondial, the little uh, uh, World Cup. We, uh, Hannah here is, is teaching the kid. Hannah is an excellent teacher. She led many Bible stories with the kids. We did that for many years, since 2007, 12, uh, over 10 years of uh, soccer camps. We did in local churches to help churches to have evangelism in their own community. So this is an amazing, uh, I just love those soccer camps. And then we, uh, we had many teams coming to help us out. On the next slide it will be um, people from um, different churches here in BC and local leadership, local young people that were trained as we did camps. They were trained to share the gospel with young people. You know what? We don't learn in a vacuum. We need a practical commitment somewhere to serve, to learn ministry and to learn what it is to serve God. We learn by reading scripture, we have teaching, but at some point we need to do something to actually train people in, in, doing, in serving God. So camp ministry is a wonderful way to teach kids and young people to share the gospel and to minister, to serve in the church and to love God this way. It's a wonderful way of discipleship. And we have many teams from different churches, like Cloverdale Baptist, Southridge, and uh, Parksville, many, many churches in the Lower Mainland. From Quebec as well, some people in Quebec came. They were either musicians, or they had camp experience, or they just love kids, and they came and they helped us. Were a tremendous help for us every year to organize camps. But it was all to help Polish people. We go with their vision to train them and for, for them to be able to reach out to their community. It's all about mission and discipleship when we do this. And uh, I think there's another one. So once, in a, once upon a time we were young and uh, pretty and <laughs> stronger. And today we have changed. That was uh, 14 years ago. And today we are um, just a bit older, <laughs> obviously. And that's why we need help. We need help. When we have young people to come and help us, we, it's a wonderful help. We train them, we lead them. They connect with the young people in Poland and they can learn ministry and do better than what we can do today. And we try to do that with the young people as well in Poland because they can always do a better job than we can do because uh, language, culture will always be lacking to us. So this is why we would like to see people Disciples of the Lord Jesus. This is what you want to kids to be, right? Your grandkids. You want to be following them to follow Jesus. You know, I'm ready to give my life for that. For my kids to follow the Lord Jesus. 
for the kids in the church who follow Jesus, for the youth who follow Jesus. This is what it is about. This is what Jesus said. We have to train them, lead them, love them, so they can follow Jesus. This is the greatest heritage you can leave behind you. Not to be this, um, to have this big job or this big company, which is, which is fine too, but it's about leaving, being yourself a disciple of Christ and leaving behind you a heritage of following Christ in your own kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. You, you cannot have a greater joy in life than this, than any money or any business or any things you possess in the world. There's nothing more than that. So that's why we pray for Poland. We are, we are one of the four uh, couples, in Pol uh, four families. Uh, we are in Warsaw, but serving many churches in the east, uh, eastern Poland. But the Taylors, it's a uh, yeah, family that are serving in Wrocław in the south. They do um, more uh, student ministry in universities in, in that city. And then the Fenskis, it's a couple from Cloverdale Baptist in Langley. And they are helping us with a youth group, with English camp. They run an English camp, an English club, I mean, in their home. And they invite kids. We can talk with the parents. They help us with organizing the, the four camps we have come, uh, that are coming up this summer. A wonderful couple that are such a help for us. They came to serve for a year and a half in Poland. And then uh, Karin Knight, she's serving with the tailors in, in Wrocław. And the last one. And let's, we have a mission. We have a mission. It's to um, love God with all our hearts and soul and strength and mind and to obey the Great Commission. Can, you, can we do this? Uh, can we do this together? Uh, I would love for us uh, to be encouraged with each other to be able to do this. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you for this uh, wonderful church. Thank you for this privilege to share your word and to uh, share with uh, what delights your heart, it's about delighting your heart. You love, you love yourself, uh, obviously the great commandment, the great commission. You told us to love you with all our hearts and strength and mind. We want to love you, Lord. Help us to do so with our choices, with the things we think about, with the things we, uh, we want to be involved in, with uh, the strength and abilities you give us. Help us to love you with all our hearts, Lord. And help us to obey the Great Commission to bring the gospel to other people, the gospel that saved our souls and gave us eternal life, forgiveness of sin. We know where we are going right now if we had to die today. Thank you for this promise of eternal life and forgiveness in Christ and Christ alone. Thank you for the gospel that we have believed that you could, um, um, in a sense, bring into our lives by your own grace. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege. We pray that we'll be able to obey this and Pray for your blessing upon this church, your people here in Kelowna, and for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christ, we give you praises, honor, majesty in Jesus' name. Amen.